Okay. So. Well, Tim's laughing with me. Oh, it's Denise is laughing. I know Denise is laughing with me. Yeah. No, it's Ben starting it. What's Ben doing? Okay. Well, at least it's not conspicuous. If I hadn't mentioned it, y'all would have never known. Uh, so, Romans chapter 8, as we've been following Paul unlayering the gospel for us, and this is part of God's message that's for our salvation. And I said Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, I think it was, when you're teaching the gospel, whether it's to yourself or somebody else, and you better not quit doing either of those. We're always trying to share the good news of somebody else, but we're in a constant need of hearing it. And if you take the spirit out of the gospel, you no longer have the gospel. The spirit of God within his people that is the promise. The day the church started, and Peter asked the people, when the people asked Peter, well, what are we going to do? You, you've just laid out very clearly for us that God's been talking about this a long time, and Jesus was the guy we're looking for. He was the son of God, and we crucified him, just like you said. And God raised him from the dead. And the truth is, we had all that evidence. It was, it was before us, and we just didn't draw the conclusion. And they said, what are we going to do? And he said, repent, every one of you, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by his authority. And you will receive the forgiveness of your sins. There's the mercy of God. Freedom from condemnation, there's the, I'm pointing at Tim because he brought that up a minute ago. There's the mercy of God. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is God's blessing. This is God's favor. This is God's grace. The Spirit is God as much as the Father is God and the Son is God, but God dwells in us by his Spirit, and Jesus abides in us by his Spirit. And so you don't separate the Spirit from God or the Spirit from, uh, from the Father, from the Son, and yet he is deity, But he has a role in God's purpose. He has a role in our lives. And he is the gospel bearing fruit in our lives. John says we are witnesses of these things and so are 
all those whom God has given his Holy Spirit, all those who have obeyed him, Acts 5.32. So the Spirit is in our, in our, within us is, is a result of God showing us his mercy and washing away our sin. And so now we are cleansed and we are holy and God can dwell within us. And no longer is God in a dimensional box, if you will, that Israel would carry with them. And the holy of holies, God is dwelling in his people. That's, that's, a whole, that's a whole new walk of life. This is a new life. And the good news is the Spirit has to do, go over 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. I'm talking about the Spirit of promise. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the promise, Acts 2.39, for you, for your children, for all who are far off, for as many as the Lord our God will call. What is the call of God what is the call of God to alien sinners, to the whole world? It is the gospel. That's God's call. Not waiting on God to come up with some new plan. This is his plan. This is his scheme. This is his eternal plan and purpose. He's not changing his mind. His mind's firmly made up before he said, light be. So the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 1.22 The Spirit, will somebody read that for me? I'm going to start in 21. Okay, go ahead. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What, did he do, what connection did he just make with the Holy Spirit? The spirit of promise that comes as a result of submitting to the gospel and obedience. What, what, is, what did he just connect with that? No, in the text. He is a guarantee for a guarantee. All guarantees have to do with what? Right now? Guarantees are like promise, aren't they? What do they necessarily have to do with? It could start right now, but it has to do with what? The future. Guaranteeing what? The spirit within us, he is a seal of ownership, but he is guaranteeing. He is, he is the escrow. He is the deposit guaranteeing what? What is to come? Our future. Not that anybody in here would ever worry about the future. The only two things we worry about, the future and the past, occasionally the present, just doesn't last very long. Because almost instantaneously, the present becomes the past. That's a pretty cool thing that God's doing here. That's a pretty cool thing. 
He is, he is putting himself within us. And he's marking us. Giving us a down payment or a deposit on what? Well, what is yet to come? What is yet to come for us? Yeah? Just more life? It's not just a life extension. With him. Are we with him now? Is he with us now? How much closer can he get with us than living in us? I mean, we've got to think about that a sec. Is, is this the right now that we have? We sing a song when I was a kid, and heaven came down. Is that about when Jesus gets back? I mean, glory fill my soul. That's not scripture yet, but we're headed there. But something glorious has happened. Amen? It is not our sins, yes, sir? He sealed us. Did it, would anybody in the ancient world understand a seal? Mm-hmm. No. More than we do. Way more. <laughs> Whose seal is it? Well, I don't know. But whatever authority the person has that owns that seal says you either better not touch it or you can be guaranteed it's good. You see what I'm saying? Well, it could. A seal of ownership, though, I think is. Yeah, I don't know. That might be a stretch in this instance. Yes, I would agree. And, and yeah, to seal, seal off or seal out. I think a seal of ownership may be a little different. Go ahead. What what does the what does the seal what does a seal have to do with anything? It's the guarantee part. It's the this is who stands behind this. This is who owns this. So okay. This is gonna come to bear. Come over here to Romans eight. And we could look at a half a dozen more texts, but I just want us to have, I'm trying to plant a seed in our mind that generally we understand that God washing us from sin is a good thing, but that's not the end of the gospel for right now. Because just like we were talking Sunday, we still face sin and we still face temptation and we live on a cursed earth. Still. Amen? 
Now there comes a time where we get taken from this world when Jesus comes back to get us and he redeems us body, soul, and spirit, then we've got next level relationship with him and sin is no more. And that's a whole nother aspect and level of glory to yet be revealed in us. But God has, in a sense, I'm saying just because that's true, don't, don't, don't wash away or wish away or dismiss what God has done for us right now. No, he's done a lot. He's done a lot. Why would he do these kinds of things for us now? Why would he protect us by his authority and his ownership? Why would he set us apart for his purpose. Why would he empower us? Why would he strengthen us? Why would, we, why would he give of himself to us? In giving us his spirit, that's as simple as I know how to say it, God has given to us of himself. I'm not waiting on that. I have it. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. First grade English, verse 9. This is the new life we have. The God was good, but the struggle with sin and the victory over sin and the redemption from sin was never revealed until the gospel revealed it. So, let's read a little bit. Uh, we'll start in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings, they're a fact. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will, will be revealed in us. And just about any English translation's got something that puts it in a future tense. There's a glory that's coming, and I forget the I forget the original, but it's there is a there is a glory that just hasn't been made known yet that awaits us. First John three three, Philippians three twenty, all those passages. Jesus has a glorious body. We don't know presently what. He is a man. We don't know what his body presently like, but it's glorious. And when he comes back, our lowly bodies will be transformed to be like his glorious body. For we shall see him as he is, John said. This, this is next level stuff that's in our future. Is that guaranteed? It's the spirit within us. He's a guarantee of that. Okay. Uh, the creation waits with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Those who are born of God, those who belong to God, those who are of God, to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom 
of the children of God. Now, there's lots of details in here. I'm trying to not get too bogged down into them. But whatever you want to do with creation, if you want that to be us or the creation around us, on some level, both of them might, might fit. In verse 22, he says, we know that the whole creation, well, now that's sounding like all of creation around us. Does all of creation around us look like it's perfected? Does this world look like God abides here? Did it once? Mm-hmm. In the Garden of Eden. Before sin, before sin came into the world. The garden looked like a place God would be with his people, and he was. And there was no sin. And sin came. And God set a curse on the earth from then. No, this is not it. This is not enough. Something's wrong here. He said this in chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress try the, the truth by their wickedness. They're, they're, all that's going on in creation right now, you, something, something's not right. Somebody's upset. This is not a forever deal. Everything's in this state of degeneration. We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Okay, if you want that to be all of creation, fine. But then in 23, he changes thoughts just a little bit. Not only so, not only so, is, is that the, if the creation were longing for more and better, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the, the beginning portions of the Spirit, the, the, the deposit of the Spirit that marks all the rest of it. That's what first fruit sacrifice is. They give you the first fruits of a crop. It is the best of the first part, and that means everything else belongs to God. If the first fruits are his, all things are his. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly. Are we still in a struggle? Is everything right with us? We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are, we are free from condemnation. We, we are walking by the Spirit, not by the flesh. We're all these things, and they have, they have glorious aspects. It is a glorious thing that the Spirit abides in us. That means God has put his love into our heart. That's a glorious thing. But everything's not completely perfect yet, is it? We still groan. There's still heartache, there's still sorrow, there's still temptation, there's still sin, there's still a battle, there's still a struggle. And we groan eagerly as we await our adoption as sons, mine has a comma, the redemption of our bodies. 
Are we ado- I thought God adopted us in Jesus. He did, didn't he? We have the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption. Galatians 3, 26, 27, 28. We, we were clothed with Christ. We were sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of us are baptized into him. We're clothed with Christ. And Galatians 4, 4. God, since we were sons, since you became sons, God put the spirit of his son into your hearts. God put the spirit of adoption into your hearts. The spirit in crying out of belonging. Abba, Father. And so he has adopted us, but we're waiting on an aspect or a level of our adoption of sons that has not happened yet. And what specifically is it? Did you catch it? The redemption of our bodies. Because our bodies, one of the biggest, one of the biggest points of impact and understanding in our groanings right now is what? It's our bodies. And we're groaning. I mean, we are. Sometimes we're moaning. Yeah, but we're groaning. We're, We're longing. We're longing for where we're not in a continual wasting away. Paul said our outward bodies are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we have the deposit of spirit. We're being renewed day by day. But we're awaiting this redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved, verse 24. The hope is the, the, is the aspect of our redemption that we don't yet have. And what is that? A glorious body. Not a weak body of flesh, a glorious body. We're yet awaiting that. That is our future in Christ Jesus. It is guaranteed by God himself. And God's given us a deposit of his power and his purpose to do that. Because while even we live in this groaning body, who lives within us? God does. God does, by spirit. Hmm. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. So we're waiting for the, the aspects of our relationship that God has given us with his son in Christ Jesus through the gospel, that he has promised through the gospel. We're waiting on what we don't yet have. Who hopes for what he already has? That's a rhetorical question. It means if you, ha- if you already have it, you wouldn't be hoping for it. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. There's coming a time where there's no temptation. There's coming a time where there's no sin. There's coming a time where there's no groaning, where there's no more longing. That time is coming. And even though we live on this earth that is yet under the curse of sin because of sin, and even though we live in lonely and weak bodies, our future is nothing like it used to be, and our lives are nothing like they used to be. 
this is reality. Why, why would he want us to understand that? Because I want you to seek for it. I want you to keep seeking for it. I want you, I want you to know that what all is happening in this world with its groanings and all of that is not going to be the defeat of you. And God has made sure of that by putting a deposit of himself within us. In the same way, in the same way that we've got a struggle, we've got current sufferings, but we're waiting on a, on a greater glory that is to come, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He's not just about the future. He helps us right now in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans. For us with groans that words cannot express. Now, a lot of people want to put that out in the sense that the Spirit's groaning. I can't picture the Spirit of God groaning about anything. Paul didn't say he's groaning. He said, no one knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And this is what we speak, a message uh, to the mature of wisdom. This is what we speak in words taught not with human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The Spirit is the intercessor. He's not searching for words. He's not the one with weakness, and he's not the one with groaning. I'm just gathering this out of the context. He's the one interceding. We're the one with the present weakness. We're the one that can't put our groans into words. We're the one who needs help. And he does that. He intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. And so the communication, you see what I'm saying? The communication between God and the Spirit is clear and definite and profound. And it's God's purpose, 100%. We're the ones who have the trouble with the communication. Amen? I mean, do you... If you don't go to a place and you sit there and in your mind you put yourself in the presence of God Almighty, I suggest you get a, get a hold of that as rapidly as possible and do that. But we sit there and we're... We don't know what we don't know what to pray for sometimes. Is God working? Yeah. Is he working for his purpose in us? Yeah. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Can we understand that? There's so much going on as we're praying. 
See, I think our flesh has this desire like it does with the rest of everything God's told us to do and offers us. And, and our flesh wants to put the pressure on us to perform it and accomplish it. The major problem with that is if you did, you'd get the credit, you'd get the honor, and you'd get the glory because God is not going to not give honor where honor is due. He is not going to not give credit where credit is due because he told the church to do that. You think God's going to tell the church to do something that he's unwilling to do? Not a chance. That would elevate us. This doesn't elevate us. It elevates our understanding of God within us. We want to pressure ourselves. You know how often I have this conversation with people? And the most of those are Christians. I just wish I knew God's will for me. I just wish I knew his plan for me. That's very interesting to me. And I'm wondering if we don't know his purpose for us, how much of this are we feeding off of? How much of this are we lack, latching on to? Because God, God has done so much for us. Why would he need to give us detailed bullet points? What would be the purpose in that? You know, Tim, I'll pick on him. Okay, Tim, uh, you need to move here. You need to meet this person. You need to marry this person. You need to... That's like God needs a bunch of stuff done on planet Earth. He didn't really have time to do it, so he's going to give you the to-do list. God's purpose for us, what is it that God wants? 1 Timothy 2.4 God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants. That's God's eternal purpose. And he doesn't, just, he doesn't just want that. It is to his purpose. We'll keep on going here just a minute. Next couple of verses. And we know that in all things, even on the days where we're groaning and we don't get it, even on the days where we're well aware that we're, we're still here on earth and we're longing for heaven, in the midst of all that, in the midst of having struggles and not knowing how to pray, in the midst of sin still being real and temptation being a real thing, in the midst of all that, we know God's working. He's working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then he says, far. That means, let me tell you why. For those God foreknew, now he tells you the depth of this purpose and this plan 
how long ago was God's plan Christ Jesus? And, and see, that's what I, and I caught myself telling somebody that today, and I said, this has always been his plan. I said, time out. This is his eternal plan. Because if you want to be real picky about it, always would have to do with what? Time. Before there's time. See, I can't quit talking, I can't quit using time words. Before and always. No, eternity. He is the Lamb of God known before the foundation of the world. This is God's knowledge before. His knowledge before time. His knowledge ahead of time. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. That doesn't mean he made anybody do anything. He could, but he doesn't. It's our choice. Joshua stood up and said, choose you, it's your choice, to ancient Israel. Choose you this day. He didn't say, oh, okay, you three get over here, y'all. God's not forcing anything on anybody. He's the only one with the power to do that, and he's not chosen to do that. But he has a plan ahead of time. What was his plan ahead of time? Ephesians 1, 1 Peter 3, Revelation 13. Christ Jesus was his plan ahead of time. That supersedes Jew and Gentile both, doesn't it? Yeah. And what was God's plan in Christ Jesus? In Christ Jesus, what was his plan? going to tell us for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed I put transformed that's 2 Corinthians 3.18 but conformed or transformed for those God foreknew he had a plan he had a plan from before creation he had a plan to save and redeem anybody who would be willing to be saved and redeemed that's his plan. It doesn't just supersede the law of Moses. It supersedes creation. It's an eternal purpose and plan. He predestined them to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Now, would that make any sense that he put the spirit of his son in our hearts crying out, Abba, Father. Does Jesus belong to God? Yeah. Is he God's? Uh-huh. Then what was God's plan from before eternity? To create a whole body of people that are his and his son. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn, the preeminent from among many brothers. 
What has Jesus, Jesus gone through that we have yet to go through? He died on planet Earth. Well, we're all sitting here alive, so we've yet to go through that. But there's those before us that have gone through that. What is it that he's gone through that nobody else has ever gone through yet? Revealed in the gospel, 2 Timothy 1, uh, about verse 10. What, what has he, in the gospel, he has brought life and immortality to light. He said in chapter 6, the death he died, he died to sin, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Death no longer has mastery over him. He cannot die again. Brothers and sisters, God did not simply revive the body of Jesus out of the tomb. He raised him from the dead to immortality. He is tempted no more. He knows weakness no more. And in our minds, it is impossible for God to know temptation or weakness because God is spirit and he cannot be tempted. But when God, by his own plan ahead of time, predetermined plan, when God puts on flesh and brings himself here and sets aside his divine glory, and he comes and lives and makes his dwelling among us. Now he knows weakness. Now he knows temptation. Now he can taste death for everyone. The devil didn't know it, 1 Corinthians 2, but if the rulers of this world would have known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But in putting him to death, according to God's plan ahead of time, you guys want to live like hell and act like it? Go right ahead. You put my son to death. And I'll just consider that the sword of my wrath because I will put on him the sin of all mankind. And, and he sent Abraham to the mount and said, Sacrifice your only begotten son, the son of promise, the son whom you love. And Abraham raised his hand to slay his son, and the angel stopped him and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the lad. And God took his son to the same region of Moriah and put him on the cross, and he raised his sword of wrath and justice, and nobody stayed his hand or said, what doest thou? Because you don't do that to God. And he struck his own son, he used the Jews and the Romans to do it. You, with the help of wicked and godless men, have put him to death according to God's foreknowledge. But God raised him from the dead to immortality. And now he has the inheritance of immortality. He's the firstborn among many brethren, among many brothers and sisters. Spirit is a guarantee for us that God owns us, that God has cleansed us, that God lives in us, that we, in fact, 816, 816, 17, are the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ.
the immortality that, that he has inherited because he is righteous. It now becomes ours. And he is the firstborn of children belonging to God. He is the firstborn of us, God's children. And those he predestined, he also called. See, that was his, that was his from eternity plan was Christ Jesus. And how did he bring people into Christ Jesus? He called them. He called them by what? 2 Thessalonians 2.14, the gospel. The gospel is God's call to come into his son, to have his blessing, to have his forgiveness, to have his mercy, to enjoy his grace, to be indwelt by his spirit. Those he predestined, he also called. He called them so they could be. And those he called, he also justified. He made them right. So he's called them to be in Jesus, justified them so he could treat them like Jesus. So now they are like Jesus. They have his righteousness. And those he justified, he has also glorified. And I don't know, but what that's reference. I mean, he speaks past tense of it. But see, that's the God Abraham believed in. He calls, he gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And God's the only one that can do that. Before Abraham had a single solitary offspring on planet Earth, what had God already called him? He said, I have made you, past tense, the father of many nations. Lord, got one little question. Don't have any offspring. It's kind of what I was bringing up. Abraham, if I want to speak past tense about the future, I will. Because it's based on me. And God's known this throughout all eternity. It was just never revealed. It was never revealed until the gospel has made it known. We have so much right now. We're waiting on so much, and, and I'm excited for that, and I, I long for that. We all, we all do. But I don't know what else to do because he already speaks in a past tense. It is for God that our future is secure. We're still in the working that out phase right now. But not really. We've already made the choice, haven't we? Yeah, Jadon, but I can, I can just start believing that Jesus is not the Son of God. Can you? Can you suddenly come under the mindset that Jesus is not God's solution for sin and death and even hell? Can you come under the can you come under the idea that Jesus is not who the gospel declares him to be? That God does not have the power to keep his promises. That might be a possibility, brothers and sisters. I'm not that sharp of a math person, but that could be a possibility 
I run into too many Christians who consider it a probability. Well, you just don't know how I am. No, I don't know how you are, and I don't need to know how you are. What I know who is is who God is, and he's faithful. What I know is I know who Jesus is, and he is sufficient. What I know who is is I know who the Spirit is, and he's not playing around or wasting time. And God is working. Why on earth would he tell the church these things? Because these Christians are facing some grave and difficult circumstances. And they're fussing and fighting and they're judging each other. And they think they're above having to obey the laws of the land in which they live. Some of them are. And they make fun of each other and they put each other down. And we'll get into all that, 12, 13, and 14. And the solution for all that is, and, and if all of that is true, what does that tell you about God's purpose for them in a lost world? How, how, how are all the, all the saints in Rome loved by God and set apart for his purpose? How are they going to be shining like stars in darkness if they can't love and encourage and support each other? Probably is probably taking a toll on that, isn't it? And so I'm offering to you that he's not wasting time and this is not rhetoric. And I, I guarantee you, I'm sure, well, I don't yet have this exhausted because every time I read it and think about it, it gets bigger in my mind. But God is not leaving us alone in a sinful world, God is living in us because he promised to. We have an inheritance that is far beyond anything that this life can dish out or bring about in regard to suffering that's not even worth comparing. And out of that, we have a purpose that is eternal. And God is accomplishing because he wants to and literally because he chose to. And we'll get into that in 9, 10, and 11. You know why God saves people in Christ Jesus? Because he chose to. You know why he redeems people in the blood of Jesus? Because he chose to. You know why Christians are his children? Because he wanted them to be. You know why he washed away their sins and he lives in them by his spirit? Because that was his choice. From all eternity, that was his choice. To call people through this message of the gospel to himself. So, consider those things. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We ask you, Father, to be the very thing that you are and you promise to be and is your nature. And as patient, be patient with us, Father. You have been and you are. But it is your purpose, Father, to be patient with us. You planned ahead of time to be patient with us, to love us, to call us, not just one time, but over and over every day to call us through the gospel 
to call us into the forgiveness of sins, the redemption in Christ's blood, to call us into covenant and give us the seal, the seal and the guarantee of our covenant with you, Father, and your spirit that abides in us, to pour your love out into our hearts by your spirit, to give us, Father, in your spirit, an intercessor who speaks for us, Father, in accordance with your will to give us encouragement that you hear us, to let us know that you love us and not just temporarily, that you love us. And you promise us, Father, and you call us over and over to believe this and to hold on to it. And to hold on to it, Father, in a way that it, that it transforms us. That we just become more, even, even in a place that's not full of glory, we as your children become more glorious as we walk with the Lord. Our Lord, your Son. We're being transformed into his likeness. And help us, Father, as we, as we think on these things and we consider these things. Help us. Help us to take seriously the opportunities and the obligation and, and, and the possibilities that this affords us. We are, Father, we are the redeemed. And we are, Father, walking, walking in your redemption. And we pray, Father, that we we reflect your son, that we take these things and we consider these things so that they, they change us, so that we shine brightly in a place of darkness where we dwell. And so, Father, that a world without hope can consider the possibility that there, there is hope. There is hope and there is a sure and certain future that this world and all the sin in it cannot defeat. Thank you, Father, for loving us, for telling us the truth. Thank you for helping us to sort it out and help us, Father, to give ourselves to understanding it until it makes sense in our minds. And when, when we see it, Father, for the truth it is, truth always makes sense to us help us to go forward with whatever truth we got we don't have to have all of it to believe it we can believe any bit of truth as it comes our way that's how we became christians we don't understand everything we just believe the truth you afforded us help us to believe what the truth we have help us to share it father and help us to dwell in it each and every day to your glory you are the one, Father, who had the truth and the plan and the, and the purpose from before the foundations of the world. And you are the one, Father, who will carry it out now. Glorify yourself in our lives through the truth you have given us. It's through Jesus who bled and died for us and intercedes now on our behalf. We pray these things. Amen. Peace. Love you guys.